Welcome to Wildwood College Life of Wildwood Community Church in Norman, Oklahoma. We are four following Jesus together to the glory of God. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Bible teaching, breakfast, and fellowship, and would love to see you there this week. Follow us on Instagram at Wildwood College for more information. And with that, let's dive into this week's message. Man, I'm so excited. Are you guys excited to be here this morning? Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, my name is Kevin Chode. I am the college pastor here, and uh, we are starting a brand new series today, okay? We are going to be looking at the life of Christ, okay? We're going to be looking at the life of Christ through the book of John, okay? So we are going to take a journey over the next six weeks through the book of John, which I am so excited about. And guys, on Sundays, we get to open God's word, and I believe, I believe that this holy Bible that we study is the engine that God uses to transform us, to transform our lives. By the power of the Spirit, he uses these words to change us, and we get to study that every single Sunday. That's pretty cool, right? I think that is incredibly cool because we get to see life change. The church gets to be the place in which God changes lives, okay? And so we are going to be starting this series, and the goal of this series is to see the gospel clearly, okay? And the gospel, which means good news, is that God has provided eternal salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ sealed by the Holy Spirit. So why are we going through the life of Christ and the book of Mark? Because we see the person and we see the work of Christ. This is good news, that God made a way through his son Jesus and by the power of his spirit to save us from our sin. That is awesome. And that is what we are talking about this morning. And here's the problem, guys. If we don't understand who Jesus is, then we literally cannot understand the gospel. And that is the question that we're going to be answering today, is who is Jesus? And the cool thing is that God has preserved eyewitness accounts of people who are with Jesus, people who walked with Jesus, who can testify to the person that he was and the things that he did. These are eyewitness accounts, okay? And that's our goal today is to see and to know Jesus. And I hope that after today, we can begin the journey of knowing Jesus and knowing his purpose, and in turn, believing in the gospel. And we're going to start that by looking at the first 15 verses of the book of Mark, okay? And the outline for today is going to be twofold, okay? So the first half, we're going to talk about the identity of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What does Mark say Jesus is? Uh, we're going to talk about the preparation for Jesus, the confirmation of Jesus as Messiah, and the message of Jesus. And after all of these things, after looking at all of these things, I believe that we'll see that because Jesus is the prophesied, anointed, and confirmed Messiah who inaugurated the kingdom of God, then we should repent and believe in him and his message, okay? So let's play a game. Who likes games? Anybody? Got any gamers in here? We're going to play a game before we get started, okay? So what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be listing a bunch of things about a person, Okay, and I want you guys to guess who it is. Okay, so I'm going to list all of these things, and after I describe them, I will ask, Who is this person? Can we do that? It sounds simple enough. Okay, let's go. So, person number one, let's see if you guys can get this. This person is a fictional spy. Okay, he has been played in movies. Not yet, not yet, guys. Come on. 
He has been played in movies by Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. His code name is 007. Who is this person? James Bond. Good job, good job. It's James Bond. Give yourself a round of applause. Okay, we're getting a little harder here. This person was real, okay? And he was the 16th president of the United States. Not yet, come on. He was the first Republican president. He's known for his beard, being really tall, and is often pictured with a top hat. He was, hey, come on, come on. I, I know you guys don't know who it is yet, so pay attention. Uh, he was the president of the union during the Civil War. He signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and he was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth in Ford's Theater. Okay, so ended with a happy one. Who is this person? No. Who is this person? Abraham Lincoln. Good job. There we go. Look at him. He's so, like, you know, presidential. All right, number three. I don't think you guys are going to get this one. I don't think you guys are going to get this one, okay? This person floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee. Okay? Hey, not yet. Not yet. Come on. He is considered by many to be the greatest boxer of all time. He was born by the name of Cassius Clay. In 1999, Sports Illustrated named this athlete the Sportsman of the Century. And lastly, he was played by Will Smith before he slapped Chris Rock in an award-winning biopic film. Who is this person? Muhammad Ali, good job. Okay, wait. Yeah, oh, that was funny, guys, that was good. Muhammad Ali, all right. Now we're gonna transition into a more serious one, okay? Okay, this is the in-flesh second person of the Trinity. He's the son of God. This person was not only 100% human, but he was 100% God. This person never sinned. This person died a gruesome death on the cross, which took the penalty of the sin of man. He was resurrected three days after his death, proving he was who he said he was, that he was 100% God and defeating death. And lastly, he is the Messiah. Who is this person? This is Jesus Christ, right? And today we are going to be looking at this person in depth. And hopefully at the end of this, we will understand who Jesus is and what his message to us was. And we're going to be doing that by going through the book of Mark, okay? So an overview of the book of Mark. The book of Mark is considered by many to be the earliest book written in the New Testament, okay? It was written around 50 AD, or 50 AD, or about 50 years after the death of Jesus Christ, or 15 years after the death of Jesus Christ. The numbers may be wrong there, I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it was written in 50 AD by the person John Mark, okay? John Mark went on a bunch of missionary journeys with who? The Apostle Paul, okay? John Mark also spent a lot of time with the Apostle Peter. Peter was Jesus's closest disciple. And uh, many believe that Mark was written 
based on the preaching ministry of Peter. Okay, we see in Acts 10 a close relationship between the two. And Mark is basically writing down what Peter is saying in his preaching ministry. Okay, and this is what Mark, in Mark verse 1, this is what he says is the purpose of him writing this book. He says this, Mark 1, 1 says this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So Mark begins this account by telling the reader his purpose, to share the gospel of, of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So this whole book starts with the identity of Jesus Christ. Now, many of us in this room, we come here with presuppositions about who Jesus is. We come in with a general idea of who Jesus is. We all got that question uh, or that, that, that last person in the game correctly. But his readers may not have known who Jesus was. So it was incredibly important for the author to explain to his readers who the main character of the story is. And he starts with explaining four things that are incredibly important about Jesus's identity, okay? And so let's begin with his, his name, Jesus. Jesus translated means the Lord saves. It is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew word Joshua, which literally means Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. Okay, so here we get in just his name, meaning the Lord saves. Number two, he claims that he is the Messiah. This means the anointed one, okay, or the one who is blessed or picked by God. And the Messiah has so much connotation, especially to the Jewish readers, that the Messiah was going to be a deliverer, one who would save them from oppression. If you know anything about the nation of Israel, they were slaves and God freed them from their slavery. And now they're under this Roman rule and here they're, they're expecting a Messiah that will deliver them in earthly kingdom, okay? So Jesus is the Messiah. We also see that Mark indicates that he is God's son. So here we have a deity, uh, deity definition for who Jesus is. This isn't just a man. It isn't just a teacher. It isn't just someone who lived a, a moral life, but he is the second person of the Trinity. He is, the, he is God in the flesh. And finally, we see that it is a beginning. Something new has started. If this is the earliest work in the New Testament, then all we had up until this point written down in Holy Canon or the scripture is the Old Covenant. So something new has started, and that begins with Jesus. This gospel is the new beginning. And the gospel, friends, is that God has provided a way to eternal salvation through the personal work of Jesus Christ sealed by the Holy Spirit. So now that we know who Jesus is, and we see the message and the purpose of the book, we can see how this good news began. And it doesn't actually start with the story of Jesus, but it starts with someone else, and that's John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist is a promised forerunner to the Messiah or to Jesus Christ, and he even recognizes that, okay? So let's read the, se the next section, verses two through eight, together as a group, okay? So read it along with me. It says this, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. 
And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So here we see the preparation for Jesus. Here we see the preparation for Jesus. So let's take a moment and focus on verses two through three for a moment, okay? As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, if you've ever read the book of Mark, you know that this is the most fast-paced gospel account, okay? He says immediately like 42 times or something like that, okay? So it's very fast-paced. So Mark doesn't really take time to quote the Old Testament, but he chooses to do so here. This is one of a very few accounts in which Mark is quoting the Old Testament. And why does he do so? Why does he do so? Because as Mark is starting the story of Jesus Christ, He wants the reader to know that this is a promise becoming fulfilled. This is a promise becoming fulfilled. And not only was it a promise becoming fulfilled, but the person who is going to prepare the way for you, Jesus, is also promised, okay? And that's John the Baptist, okay? And in, in verse two, it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Some of you guys have uh, cross references that actually says that verse two is from Malachi. So why does he say in Isaiah the prophet? Well, he's trying to stress the point about the identity of John the Baptist, which comes from the Isaiah passage of preparing the way for the Lord. And that's what John's ministry did. He was preaching a baptism of repentance. He was preaching basically the idea that we are all sinners and we need a savior. We are all sinners and we can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do on our own. We need someone to save us, okay? And so this is fulfilling prophecy and eventually it'll show that it authenticated that Jesus was who he said he was. This isn't something that the reader was coming in knowing that Jesus was the Messiah that maybe we have. So this is important for John to establish credibility that Jesus is who he says he is by providing the account of John the Baptist, okay? So let's continue in verses four through five. Says this. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. The wilderness is an important Old Testament theme, right? Preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So as I read this passage for the first time, and just like my first run through, I was a little confused. And one question that kind of stood out to me was, how was John preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin? Wasn't that Jesus's job? Maybe you kind of had a similar question. Well, as I read through it more, and as I read through it more, I came to the conclusion that the whole passage ends with the fact that John recognizes that he is not the one saving, but merely a messenger merely a messenger, okay? So John is preparing the way for Jesus. So a baptism of repentance. This might sound interesting to you as well. What does this mean? Well, this is a baptism, friends, that is characterized by repentance. The Jews that John were baptizing weren't just getting wet. They were changing their minds and they were changing their behavior. This is repentance. It isn't just stopping sinning, but it is changing your heart and turning away into a different lifestyle, 
okay? It isn't just behavior modification, but it is heart change. And John proclaimed the need for spiritual cleansing. That's why he used water. That's why he used water, okay? To prepare the way for Jesus of the Messiah. And it ends with verses six through eight. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's three things I want to point out in this section, okay? That's John's appearance, John's message, and John's ministry compared, okay? So it says he wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. This was typical for a prophet, okay? They lived a simple life. And basically what Mark is trying to, to, to tell his audience here is that John, he was a plain person. He was normal. There was nothing special about his appearance. Yet what did God do through John the Baptist? He prepared the way for the Messiah. God has a tendency of using plain people to accomplish his unplain purposes, his majestic purposes, his powerful purposes. So my question to you guys, do you believe that God can do something in your life, through your life? Do you believe that though you may be plain, though you may be normal, though you may not have anything special about you, do you believe that God can use you here we see God use a plain man to accomplish his purposes. And what was John's message? Verse seven, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. You might be thinking John was taking a lot of liberties here. John was doing a lot that he really shouldn't have done. But throughout his whole preaching ministry, he was pointing to the Messiah. His whole preaching ministry was not look at me, look at my words, look at all the things that I'm doing, but look, at to, look to the one who is to come. Look to the one who is to come. And guess what? The mission and the message of preachers hasn't changed today. It is still to point to the Messiah. It is still to point to the Messiah. And last, John compares his ministry with Jesus, okay? So John is essentially here comparing his ministry to Christ. His, John was baptizing people with water, but Jesus would baptize people with the Spirit. What does this mean? This, this can be kind of confusing if we don't take it in context. Well, in Joel 2.28, when the prophet speaks for the Lord, he says that God will pour out his Spirit on all people. And Jesus himself promises the Holy Spirit to believers in John 14, 16 through 17, when he says the advocate or the Spirit will live with you and will be in you. So this is the difference, right? John is recognizing that he has no spiritual power to give them the gift of the spirit, but the Messiah will. The Messiah will, okay? So let's look at verse nine. That's where we're gonna be continuing today, through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So, looking at verses 9-11, Mark uses a few words to talk about an important event, and that's Jesus' baptism, okay? And the next two events, Jesus' baptism and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, are two events that confirm that Jesus is who he said he was, okay? This confirms that Jesus is the Messiah, and it confirms that he is fully God. And so the question you might have is, why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized? He never sinned. He never made any mistake. Why would he need to be baptized? Isn't baptism a symbol of repentance and new life in Jesus Christ? Well, the first thing that I think it does is that it sets an example to all of his followers. It sets an example for all of his followers. This is a sign of being identified with Christ. And not only is it a sign of being identified with Christ, it also distinguished it it distinguished him as the Messiah. In John 3, or excuse me, uh, in John 1, verses 29 through 30, it says, the next day John saw, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes before, comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So it distinguishes him as the Messiah, and it distinguishes him as the Son of God. This is the one that John has been talking about. This is the one that John has been talking about. And then when Jesus is baptized, he is, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin his messianic ministry, and he is also blessed by the Father. It is a Trinitarian occurrence that takes place here, showing that this is the Son of God, showing that this is the who he says he is. Next, it also identifies Jesus with humankind. As we identify with Jesus, he also identifies with us, not because he needed to repent, but because Jesus associated his baptism with his eventual death. He is essentially saying, this is my purpose. This is the journey that I am beginning now. Okay? And that's what Jesus' baptism was. It was the inauguration of his messianic journey. Before this, he wasn't traveling, he wasn't calling any disciples, he wasn't performing miracles all over the countryside. This was the start of his three-year journey before he goes to the cross, okay? And it takes place here at his baptism. So, it's a picture of his burial and his resurrection. Tom Constable says this. He's a a former professor at DTS and um, a Bible scholar. He says, in his substitutionary death on the cross, Jesus would bear the transgressions of sinners and credit them with his perfect righteousness. So as his ministry began, he intended to identify with sinful humanity in whose behalf, on whose behalf he would perfectly fulfill all the demands of God's law. Okay? So he's identifying with, with mankind in his future death on the cross. And finally, we see Mark mention this because oftentimes that Jesus in Mark is actually depicted as the suffering servant, okay? This is in reference to Isaiah 53, the prophecy talking about him being the suffering servant. He is identifying with, not that he's establishing this earthly kingdom now, but it is flipping all of these Jewish expectations on who the Messiah is on its head. 
He is not gonna be this dominating, authoritarian, earthly king, but he is going to be a suffering servant. The theme verse of Mark is Mark 10, 45. For even the son of man came not to, ser- to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the theme of Mark, okay? So it's flipping all of these expectations on his head. So verses 10 through 11, that goes through kind of the spiritual nature of the baptism as well. We see the spirit and the father both present at the son's baptism. And at this point, Jesus has not been, I wanna make this clear, he has not been absent of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit here is specifically empowering Jesus for his messianic ministry, which began at this moment, okay? He's not been absent of the Holy Spirit, but this is essentially the inauguration of his messianic ministry. So next we see his wilderness experience, okay? Next we see his wilderness experience. So verses 12 uh, talks about basically his, his, uh, his journey in the wilderness. And some of you may be thinking, why did Jesus start his ministry with being tempted by Satan? Why didn't he just start healing people? And why didn't he just immediately start, start uh, doing all these miracles and all these things? Well, 1 John 3, 8, I think gives us some insight into the purpose of Jesus's ministry on this earth. 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So as he goes into the wilderness and Satan is tempting him and tempting him and tempting him, Jesus never fails. Jesus never sins. He conquers Satan in the beginning and he will conquer Satan in the end. Jesus is basically announcing that he is here to defeat the devil's work, okay? Jesus understood that this encounter was so critical, it was important, and it was the initiation of his mission to defeat the devil's work. This is an example of, him proving, his confirming that he is who he says he is. This is him proving that he is here to defeat Satan and uh, the, the work that he is doing here on this earth, okay? So there's, there's some interesting things going on with his baptism and his temptation proving that he is who he says he is. His identity is important to mark, to establish. Before we get into all the other things that he's going to be doing, he is who he says he is. Uh, Finally, we see Jesus's message, okay? And this takes place in verses 14 through 15. And it is the same message that we preach still today. The message hasn't changed, guys. The message hasn't changed. I'll skip to verse 15. The time has come and he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus is calling, friends. Jesus is calling. So the inauguration of the kingdom of God, thank you for laughing. Uh, the, the, The inauguration of the kingdom of God is here, okay? Jesus is announcing the kingdom is here. Now, why is the kingdom near? Well, the king is here, guys. The king is here. Jesus, the king is here. Of course, the kingdom has come near because Jesus is here. He has arrived. He is initiating his kingdom, okay? And and he's basically announcing that repent. Judgment is coming. The hour is r- drawing near. You are running out of time. To repent and believe in Jesus' message. And what is that message, guys? It's the gospel. 
It is the gospel that God has provided eternal salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ that is sealed by the Holy Spirit. That is the gospel. In this moment, Jesus declared is the end of the present age, is the end of this time period, and is the beginning of the messianic age, okay? This kingdom inaugurated with Jesus, but this earthly rule won't fully consummate, it won't fully come to fruition until Israel repents, okay? This will happen when Jesus returns to to earth in his second coming, okay? So, reviewing all that we've talked about today, if we don't know who Jesus is, And if we don't believe that he is who he says he is, then we cannot understand the gospel. We cannot understand the life-changing, transforming power of Jesus Christ coming to this earth to save sinners. But by seeing that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the son of God who was promised in the Old Testament and prepared for by John the Baptist, we see that Jesus is who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, God in flesh, then his message has authority on us today. His message has authority because he is God in the flesh. And his message is the same today as it was back then. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent from your sin and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Not just one momentary time, but every single day. That is the Christian life faithfully trusting in him in every aspect of your life. He is the Lord of our life. He is over all. He is over all. Because Jesus is the prophesied, anointed, and confirmed Messiah who inaugurated his kingdom of of God, we should repent and believe in him and his message. And we fully question the answer today, who is Jesus? And I only have one question for you guys. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with God in flesh? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And what I mean by that is, have you recognized that the sin in your life, the brokenness that you experience, that's not how God designed it. God designed us to be with him but we all sinned. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God has made a way. That's the good news. We are not stuck in our sin. God has made a way for us to know him and to be saved from our sin. And if we trust in him for the forgiveness of our sin, then he is faithful to save us, not only from the penalty of judgment, but from the power that it holds in our life today. So my question for you guys is, do you know him? And if you don't, Come talk to me, come talk to Shanae, come talk to any of our leaders. We would love to talk to you about Jesus.